Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, so uh, I'm really glad to have a chance to share a little bit, although I don't like having to follow my sponsor. I feel like I'm merging a tricycle onto a superhighway, so... <laughs> I love my sponsor. My friend, I was following him. I was like, oh, I don't want to... It's like following Robin Williams as a comedian or something. So, all right, but uh, I'll try to share my experience, strength, and hope. So, uh, I really like the topic, the gift of desperation, because it seems like such an oxymoron to say the gift of desperation. Because how how in the world can those two terms go together, desperation and a gift? So, uh, I want to talk about the desperation first, and I want to spend uh, time on the gift, but. Uh, you know, uh, it's like waking up, you know, the desperation, it, it's not wrong, I think. Uh, to be living as an addict is to be desperate. Uh, I know from my own experience, uh, and I'll just share a couple examples of this, but it's painful. Uh, I heard a, a, a speaker a number of years ago in a meeting saying he carpet bombed his wife's village. It's painful. Uh, you know, we hurt those we love. It's painful. Uh, we hurt ourselves. Um, and in the addiction, I was uh, losing a lot of things. I was seeing things and involving things that uh, were twisting my natural healthy sexuality. It's painful. I didn't sign up for those things, but uh, lust did not ask me or ask my permission if it's okay for me. So uh, I don't know about you guys, but lust has not been a gentleman. It doesn't come to me and ask for my welfare and put his arm around my shoulder and ask me how I'm doing. And uh that's it's not concerned with me. Um, a lot time, uh, time you don't get back. You know, not being not present because being an addict in the addiction, uh, you know, we're frequently I'm frequently not present. Um, and, and so things and life is moving and to not be present is painful. Uh, living in fear, my world would get exposed. When is the next shoe get dropped? When I was with my wife, get to catch me, and I get to have something happen at work, um, and you, you feel that cl- that clock ticking. Uh, what's going to happen? Uh, hurting my faith, my faith in a higher power, her relationship with God, getting increasingly angry with God, uh, which we know in the recovery is a step two issue, but uh, being so hurt after all those prayers, all those years, which are very sincere, saying, God, please help me. I don't want to do this. Um, I come from a, a faith tradition, and it was very important to me, and somehow it's not working. It seems like it's not, it's not working, despite all my efforts and my attempts and my tears and trying different methods, but it's not working. And, uh, and growing increasingly hurt and angry toward God because of that, because seemingly, you know, at the time, seemingly he's ignoring me and, and yet judging me. So uh, I can't stop doing the things I'm doing, but apparently if I keep doing the things I'm doing, I'm lost. Um, and it seems like my friends or family would help me, but my higher power seems to be busy or disinterested or maybe mean or whatever the case, but uh, um, somehow not directly intimately engaged in my life to be able to help me stop this pain cycle. Um, the tension of being a hypocrite, being in church, Helping out youth groups, <laughs> talking good stuff, meaning meaning that. By the way, I didn't mean that. I mean all those things. <laughs> but uh, but you know inside, you know who that person is. So I'm like I'm talking theory, <laughs> and it's a good theory. I love this theory. It's a good theory. But I'm talking theory right now. Um, Self abuse, uh, amount of sleep I lost. Physical repercussions, emotional repercussions, um, doing things to myself that I'm not comfortable with, um, living with that anxiety, uh, 
as, as an addict not being able to handle uh, emotional problems in life. Uh, because I was mentioned before by Steve, right you know, emotionally, as a child, my first mantra told me that, you know, we come in the program and when he told me, you know, essentially whatever age you started checking out, acting out, it's probably the emotional age you stopped maturing. And I started thinking back, that's not good. <laughs> I think I was around five or six. I started to mentally really check out at that age. So basically I have a five or six year old <laughs> running the emotional show. He's at, he's at the switchboard. That cannot be good. <laughs> um, and uh, it's going to get darker. You know, uh, things I told myself I will not do, I will do. Uh, when I went and saw my the therapist the first time when my, when my wife caught me, um, my wife was really spiraling. I was losing my marriage. I was afraid where I was going. Uh, I reluctantly, but I went, I'm a true addict, so I didn't do it immediately. I didn't just wake up and went, like, I should get my life together. It's repeated, painful, terrifying trajectories of where I was going to end up. Uh, but eventually, I went and saw a counselor that specialized in sexualism, and uh, I saw him for a few times. He was helpful. Um, and uh, I told him, oh, I don't have money to keep seeing you, uh, which is kind of true. I was in grad school at the time. <laughs> and he's like, well... Uh, you can deal with this now or uh, you can come back and see me in five or 10 years and here's the situation you'll be in. Your marriage for sure will be long gone or emotionally destroyed. If you guys stay together, be emotionally and spiritually destroyed. Um, uh, you, if you have kids, you probably can't see them legally. Uh, good chance you'll lose a career. It might be a passion for you, but you're probably going to lose that career. Uh, you may not be free, and you may lose the religion that you've had your whole life. Now, I did not like that future prognostication he was laying out for me. I didn't like that. I'm a, I'm a good guy. I go to church and stuff. I read the Bible. You know, I'm trying. I'm doing my, doing my deal, you know. And, uh, but I had, I had to honestly ask myself, uh, are those things he said, does that sound true with all the boundaries I've crossed up till now? And uh, and it was terrifying. So I, I love this topic because it says the desperation. So I, I would argue uh, <laughs> desperation is simply reality. It's like waking up in the morning. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's painful. There's no question it's painful. Uh, but it's a good thing because we should, I, you know, for me, I, it, I, I am desperate. I have to be desperate. Um, who wants to live that kind of life? Who wants to hear their wife crying and screaming because of what I've done to them? Who needs that? I don't want to be the person logging on to websites I was logging on to. I don't want to be doing that. Uh, it's painful. I don't want to miss out on things. I don't want to miss out on my kid's life, uh, things going on. I don't want to miss out on those things. And so I think uh, desperation is actually, it's a wonderful word in this strange kind of way because it is painful, it is scary, but it is wonderful because simply saying it's reality, which is, you, you're on a plane that's going down. Are you okay with that? <laughs> you're looking out the window. The ground's coming up. You see fire on the wing, <laughs> and there's nowhere in the cockpit. <laughs> are you are you okay with that? You know, and uh, uh, and, and hopefully the answer is no. And that that's the gift because the gift is uh, we don't have to keep riding that plane in the ground. You know, one day at a time by God's grace, the twelve steps with you guys. I got a good chance to not live that way. And I want to talk uh, in some detail about the gift uh, of, of what I'm talking about with uh, the gift. Um, the gift means I'm willing to take actions because of desperation and honest awareness of who I am. Uh, uh, and so I'm willing to take actions. Um, I, don't, I won't go into my story too much, but I'll just say, uh, you know, you get to a series of bottoms and in those bottoms, you become more willing, hopefully. You know, and uh, desperation, I cannot control my own mind. There it is, very simple. I cannot control things that come in my mind, no matter how uncomfortable they are, a complete violation of my boundaries, but I cannot control the thoughts that come into my mind. And even more terrifying, I will in some way progress on those thoughts. And uh, that is scary. And, and again, that's good because that's a reality. Um, 
So actions, I can go to meetings. I get a sponsor. I can read the literature. Uh, I can take direction from my sponsor. Uh, I can follow these things a- as I need to. Um, also, the, the gift and that desperation helps me be one to take direction, be teachable. Uh, I'm willing to uh, listen. Uh, being an addict, naturally, I've spent a whole lifetime of doing things my way. <laughs> we are all controlled. My first act must sort of remind me I like to be in control and, uh, and being teachable. What does the program suggest I do? What does my sponsor suggest I do? And, and being when, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm frightened. And I don't like some of these suggestions, but uh, my way clearly is not working well. So uh, maybe I can try this. Um, I can make phone calls. Uh, and my willingness daily to see reality. And that desperation, again, because reminded me of who I am. I'm not a, a bad person, but I'm a sick person. And desperation, realizing that uh, this is a fatal malady. <laughs> uh, but one day at a time, it can be arrested and changed one day at a time. It's temporary, but one day at a time. I get to, and not the way I put that is, uh, um, you know, it's almost like uh, as an addict, you know, we're driving some gas-guzzling vehicle that's t- destroying the environment. <laughs> Doesn't work well. I've had a bunch of car crashes in that vehicle. It's going bad. In recovery, they give me an electric vehicle. Drives great. Maybe it's that Mustang, that Mustang SUV. It's fast. It's great. All kinds of amazing things happen. But I do have to charge it every day. That's recovery. Every day I know uh, uh, I have to plug in daily to the spiritual solution, the spiritual revolution. And I want to spend the the remaining part of my time talking about the gift. Because I talked about the darkness. I don't want to give too much time to the darkness. I want to talk about the gift. So one day at a time, I get to be sober. You know, that's fabulous to be sober and be present. What does that mean? It means I got a chance to have healthy, healthy sexuality. I don't have to be, have a, have a chain around my neck uh, dragging me to do things I don't want to do, but I will do them because I'm an addict. Uh, I have a chance to have healthy sexuality. It doesn't mean I'm being sexual at that moment. Simply they let what is God's gift to be what God's gift is. And it's healthy, normal place. Um, I cannot do that on my own. But in recovery, I can do that. One day at a time, I can do that. Um, It means being present. I don't have to go away. Uh, Being an addict, I naturally fear dealing with painful situations of any kind, especially if it involves, yes, sadness and loss. I want to run away from those things. Uh, When my dad was dying from cancer, my sponsor helped me with that. Taking direction from him. I wanted to have a conversation with my dad about, about various things. I call my sponsor. What I, what I say to my dad. And he gave me some good directions. Saved me from some conversations I shouldn't have. On the head, we had some wonderful conversations. And then when my dad was in hospice, I was very afraid. And my natural addict ways to run away from that. So when my dad died, he died about five in the morning. Uh, I had actually gone back to my place to... Uh, uh, get some clothes. My brother called and said, you, you know, our dad's unconscious. We don't know whether he can hear us anymore. You don't have to come back to hospice if you don't want to. Uh, you know, we think he's probably unconscious, can't hear you. So as an addict, that would be, man, I will, uh, yes, I will stay home. You know, it's late. I'm super tired. I'm emotionally drained. I don't have to go. But uh, I thought, I want to go. Uh, my sponsors told me uh, to be present. There's a gift in being present. So I went and uh, I got to be with my dad when he died. And it was beautiful. It was hard. I got to be there. And that is because my sponsor is suggesting there's things you don't know, so be curious. Um, That's the exact opposite of what the addict does, to be open and to be present. And that's happened over and over in recovery. I wouldn't trade that journey for anything. Uh, I get to be humble. Uh, step seven all talks about humility. 
there's a ton of things I don't know. I use terrifying the past to me. I don't know things. Uh, I'm a professor who's supposed to know some things, but humility is there's a ton of things you don't know. And just be honest about that. That's okay. It's just being part of the human race is we don't know. But it's fine to not know because we're curious to find some answers and let life be an adventure. Let God bring us those things, you know. Um, all great literature talks about humility. I had to come in a very simple program because I'm an addict to learn humility. I'm still learning that. But what a wonderful gift to be humble because we, there's so many things we don't know. And why not let the, the mystery of the universe, what God does for us, take us to things we don't know? It's a beautiful journey. I wouldn't train that humility. Humility simply says, not being less than, simply says, I'm curious. I'd like to know. What a fabulous way to live life. Like, I don't know, but I'd, I'd like to know. Um, and grace. Uh, my, spat, my, my counsel to my came in the program, you don't know what grace means uh, emotionally. You know intellectually, but you don't know what it means emotionally. You don't know. You have to experience it. I can experience it with you guys. You know, I, I call my sponsor with some shame bundle, stuff I was up to, and expect him to run away, you know. And uh, <laughs> uh, and his, his deepest concern, all my sponsors, was how are you doing? Not piling on to the shame. He just said, you know, what's going on? You know, what's happening? Concern, genuine concern for me. We don't have to unpackage the shame stuff. Just, you know, what's going on for you? What's happening? You don't have to spend 20 minutes breaking down the lustful thoughts you had and stuff. But, you know, what's going on? Just genuine concern. And, and we get to give grace to others. Um, my wife battles uh, depression. It's been hard for me. Uh, but, you know, part of grace is, as I experience it, the, the, the beauty is I also get to extend it. Because, uh, you know, I know how hard my journey has been. And so people have been so kind to me over all the years. Sponsors, strangers in the program, you know, you guys, you know, just it's, it's endless. And that, I carry that with me. So I, I get to extend that grace. So it's not just, you know, it, it both it flows into me, but also I get to give it, you know. And uh, what a wonderful experience it is to be able to do that, to be able to help a little bit. A couple more things of the gift of being in the program. Uh, we have a sense of purpose and mission in the program. You know, we don't know how long God's going to keep us here, uh, but we got a reason to be wake up this morning. We got a reason to be here, right? Besides the obvious things, you know, I'm a, a, a son and a, a husband and a dad. Uh, but you know, we got a mission statement, right? We got we can help somebody today. You know, we are uniquely placed that we get to help somebody because we know what it's like to be an addict to be trapped. We know. We know what the pain's like. We know what that trap, the desperation's like. We also know there's a way out, right? We know there's a way out. We don't have to, one day at a time, we don't have to live that way. So uh, what a wonderful way to live, to feel we have a purpose in life. You know, we get to make, do a 12-step call. You know, and uh, what a fabulous way to live. A couple more I'll add here, true intimacy. I think I've craved intimacy my whole life. I just know how to get it in a healthy place. You know, I think the addiction is a misplaced attempt for intimacy, right? It's a misplaced connection. The desire for connection is good. Desperation is probably good. Again, I think the desperation is fueled from a desire for intimacy. Just we've misplaced that the whole time. We need intimacy. Um, we need connection. Just not to go with the counterfeit, the addiction, go with the real. Uh, I get that with you guys, get that with my sponsors, I get that with family, to be present, um, to not have to control things, let things play out. Um, companionship is another big one, too. You know, I, I remember, remember before I came into recovery, as our literature says, you know, we're, we're, we're lonely people, you know, isolated people, unique people, as we, we thought. You know, and then you come in the program, I'm not unique. <laughs> I have some fabulous, good company. You know, I hear people share. Uh, you know, you hear people share. I'm like, that's how I feel inside, too. Maybe they're acting out it's a little bit different. But, you know, I, but I hear the heart and say, hey, that's me. I remember when I went to the first meeting in, in the Bay Area, because I was in a very small meeting in the area. There's no women in our meeting. I went to a Bay Area big meeting. There's some ladies there. And I was early in recovery. I was like, oh, man, I don't know. Maybe I should leave. You know, <laughs> you know I'm an addict, you know, and uh, but I started doing the surrender prayer. <laughs> and here's the amazing thing, though. You know, when the room just calmly working the program, right? And I began to hear these ladies share, share. I thought, wow, I feel like that inside, too. That's how I feel. Exactly. That's how I feel. And you make that connection, companionship. And, uh, uh, you know, what a fabulous thing. We get to lonely people get into a fellowship that just 
how much time on your hands do you want to spend with each other? Because it's available, right? It's just a wonderful way to spend time with each other, um, have a host of friends. Um, I want to read something from Chuck C. Talking about the gift we get. And this is uh, from the new pair of glasses. And Chuck C. Uh, writes, you and I have run out of our own resources. I've been privileged to wander into AA or SA. And to stay and to find the same experience as a prodigal son or daughter. To find home, it's not normal to walk alone. It's not normal to walk alone. It's normal to walk down the high road of life with the arms around each other, sharing our experience, strength, and hope and love. It's just as normal as breathing. It's not normal to be away from the Father's house. What a fabulous thing this is. So I think what a wonderful thing, you know, I, I prayed all those years for God, give me the miracle cure, the zap, you know, um, and I was so angry. I didn't get that, you know, as a guy, I was hurt. I didn't get that, you know, God, you know, I didn't listen to those prayers or, or wasn't helped. I was too bad, you know, whatever the case may be. And now I just think uh, he had something extraordinarily more beautiful. Now it's hard work. It's painful sometimes. Don't get me wrong, I'm a real addict. I still sometimes like push a little magic button that change my mind. I would be different, you know, not to deal with it anymore. But I wouldn't change this journey for anything now. You know, I love being able to work with sponsees. I love being able to pause and talk to my sponsor and carry my sponsors in my head <laughs> and, and take them around with me. Uh, I've had three sponsors over the years. All of them are a tremendous gift from God to me. Many people in this program over old timers and new and newcomers giving me a gift. I hearing something we don't get to define who God talks through, you know, uh, and over and over again, we get to experience something just amazing and beautiful. Um, and so that gifts so the desperation and now maybe I'll wrap it up here a little bit. But desperation is really, I think just, it's a gift. Now it's painful and it is, it's painful, you know, to see what we're doing, how we hurt others, how we hurt ourselves. The impossibility of me working my way out with my own willpower, my mindset, no matter knowledge or self-control. And I tried a whole variety of <laughs> techniques to stop acting out. Time, age, marriage, you know, a whole, whole series of them. I tried progressively <laughs> when I was getting into college. I thought maybe I'll just wean myself off. So I thought, okay, here's what I'll do. <laughs> I'll, I'll, for the first month, I'll act out three times a week. The next month, two times a week. Next month, one time a week. And then cold turkey. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> uh, you know, just the, the, the adventure of life we get too. you know, uh, I tell myself again, over and over again, I don't know what's best for me. I have a very strong opinion to what I think is best for me and other people. A whole series of very strong opinions, what I think is best for me, what, need, what needs to happen, what has to happen. But if I sit back, let God run the show, step three, step 11, get plugged in, step 11, uh, you know, and get comfortable and say, okay, God, where do you take me? What do you suggest here? Uh, I don't have to work these problems on my own. Life is full of challenges. And what a wonderful thing to go to God and say, God, what do you, what do you suggest I do with this? I don't know. Get on the phone, call sponsor, call guys in the program. Uh, and it's very practical, not just the lust stuff, just life on life's terms. Uh, a few years back, I had a little conflict with my neighbor. Thank God I'm in recovery, right? Get on the phone, call my sponsor, call some old cop timers. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I'm angry. <laughs> I got some plans, probably some involving illegal revenge activities. <laughs> uh, what do you suggest I do spiritually? Thank God I'm in the program. <laughs> what do you suggest? You know, what's the right thing to do? And, uh, and continue to work that. Um, same thing being a dad right now. I, in the last couple of weeks, my, my daughter, 17, has dealt with some depression. How do I be present with that? How do I not go into fear? How do I be present with that? To help her be a dad that's available, uh, to love her and to hear her, emotionally present. Um, yeah, what a gift. Um, maybe I should wrap it up there. I'm an addict, I like to talk, so <laughs> I, I won't go too much farther, but... Uh, I would just say, you no, know, my sponsor mentioned this too, to be curious, you know, stay curious um, and, and let God, you know, give, give, give God a little bit of space to, uh, to see what he's up to um, and to get comfortable in the program, you know, uh, 
my first hope was, you know, you can go through a couple couple months or something, get get it together and take off, you know, and uh, a lot of my sponsors are first to meet them too. That's kind of their plan. So what are you talking about? Is that this program, like a two week program, self-improvement, and then we head back out in the world. And uh, my thought is, why in the world would you want to do that? Why, why would you miss out? Uh, why would you miss out on the possibility of a lifetime of companionship and intimacy and growth with each other? Um, the gifts of this program are never ending. Um, desperation is helpful just to wake me to that reality of, hey, I can't ever do it by myself. And that's fine. I'm okay with that today because it means I got to do the best of all possible things. It's almost like saying you're invited to the best party that ever has happened to stay alive this afternoon. So you, you got to go to that party. You're going to die if you don't. The addict's like, well, I don't want to go. <laughs> but people say, but the, it's the best party that has ever happened in the history of humanity. Why in the world wouldn't you want to go? Maybe I'll stop there. Great stuff, Michael. God bless Thanks, you. Mike. Thank you, Michael. Thank you Thanks, so Mike. much. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Michael. Still had two minutes, so, but all right, we'll let some more Q&A here. I can fill that up. I do want to share one short story. <laughs> like a really short. But this is, it's a very simple little thing, but it's just, you know, how God gives us stuff we don't, we don't understand, we, you know, because I have to remind myself, I don't know what's best for me. So uh, years ago, my wife called me, I was at work between classes and uh, she's like, uh, uh, I didn't have time to make lunch for the kids today. Could you go to Taco Bell and drop off, you know, a burrito for your daughter? She was like in third grade at the time. I wasn't annoyed by that call, but I was busy at work doing important things and stuff. And, uh, but you know, okay, so sure. So I sing my Taco Bell, get the burrito, you know, a couple of burritos for her. And, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, my day, things I got to do, my to-do list and stuff. And, uh, so I go in into the lunchroom where my daughter is and the other kids are already eating. Uh, my daughter's sitting there, hasn't got her food yet. And then she sees her dad walk in with a Taco Bell bag. And her face just lights up. She lights up. Now, it's very simple. And I gave her the burrito and I had to get back to work. So I left right away. But as I was leaving, I was like, you know, that's the best thing I did all day long. I didn't plan any of that. That just life on life's terms. It just happened. I was a service to be able, just be a dad, do something really simple. It's a dad thing. But I saw the difference it made for her to see her dad show up with food. And the other kids were jealous. That was kind of cool too. <laughs> you know, but I thought, you know, that's what God does, you know. So to stay, to stay like God, what do you suggest? That's step three and step 11, right? What do you suggest? Because I, I don't know what's best for me. Help me be curious for the journey of what's good and help me show up for that. So that's it. Hopefully that's my short story. So I'll stop right this. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. <clears throat> Thanks, Mike. All right. I, I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, through all of uh, Marcus's travels through Zoom meetings, uh, Marcus always starts to share with uh, my sponsor says dot, dot, dot. And uh, so it's very nice to, to finally meet Marcus's sponsor. Uh, you know, thank you for sharing today. Uh, what a beautiful share. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned uh, a sobriety date or all, at all, but I know that you have uh, a couple decades of sobriety. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, when you go to meetings after a couple decades, are you still having those kind of aha moments? Are you still hearing things like you've heard them for the first time or does it get uh, hit a point where was there a number of years in there where it got stale for you? Anything, any experience trying to nope on that? Okay. So uh, I don't just go to these meetings because I'm an altruist. <laughs> I'm altruistic. <laughs> I'm a real addict. The desperation means I know what will happen to me today if I don't have a spiritual solution. So I don't just go because I just I'm a wonderful, loving person and uh, I want to help somebody. Although I hope that's part of what I do too. But I'm a real addict, so I will go back out there. So if the very first reason why I go to meetings is I, I got to go, but I do love to go. But I also I, it's very practical. I got to go. You know, I, we have, you know, maybe a mental cancer, maybe we describe it. And so I got to take my daily treatment. So I go in a very practical, I want to stay sober tonight. I got, you know, maybe seven more hours today. Uh, I live my life in sobriety. I just love it. I want to stay at that way today. You know, God willing, with assistance, I got a good chance. Uh, and so I, I want to keep that. And the second part is Dennis says, I don't think spirituality ever has an end. 
you know, I talked to my, you know, the chain of sponsorship, my sponsor shared a little bit ago, you know, I say I carry him in my head and that's partially true, but sometimes I call him and I imagine he's going to tell me and I'll share something. He'll tell me something the exact opposite of what I was imagining. So <laughs> part of humility is I don't know. And, the, you know, I hear stuff frequently meetings. I need to hear again. You know, I hear his expressions. Uh, when I first came in the program, I began writing things down in my white book. You know, I started just writing down stuff out here in meetings. I don't know if you get, you probably can't really see that, but you know, it's page after page after page of writing things down uh, because I know there's just a lot of things I don't know and that's ongoing. And sometimes I know some, I need to remind you of those things. Sometimes I'll respond to you in a meeting and say something I allegedly said to them. I'm like, that's pretty good. I don't remember ever saying that, but I should write that down because I need to be doing that. That's pretty good. I like that. And that's a, well, that's a kind of a God thing, right? That's a God thing. Because sometimes the sponsor be sharing something beautiful that allegedly came out of your mouth. You're like, ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That's not from me. <laughs> My name might have been mentioned in the reference chain of how that originated, but that's a God thing. So uh, that's what I say, Dennis. And also, I, I, I do, I love, you know, being able to help others. And But I, again, I, I both for both reasons. And maybe the last one, too, is, you know, I know our presence as meetings is important and, and sponsorship important. I have so much gratitude to the old timers who have loved me. And these guys, you know, some of them didn't even know me. Now, it includes sponsors, but I had people in big meetings, for example, in the Bay Area. I met them only one or two times in my life. But coming up to me, when my wife attempted suicide, I had an old timer come up to me and, and talk to me afterwards. Not my sponsor, does not know me. Uh, he's coming up to me and chaps to me, put his arm around me, talk to me. Now, I, I, how can I not give back with that, right? I'd I love to get back, you know, and I, I'm, I'm getting a few gray hairs. I'm getting me a little bit older timer now, but uh, how can I not give back? So for all those reasons, I, I got to hear new stuff because I need to hear it. Um, uh, I, I need to stay teachable because there's a lot of things I just don't know. And then also I got to give back. And so for all those reasons, being in a meeting is a fabulous, comfortable place to be. What a wonderful place to be in, in intimacy with other people. You know, we need the intimacy. May last thing I'll say, Dennis, thank you for your question is, uh, you know, also my addict, we thrive on highs. We do. So I, I need a high. So how about plug in with the best of all kind of highs, which is this kind of stuff and not the addictive high. No, so I, I got to I gotta get my high. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, that God dope. It's the good stuff. All right, Niegos, you're up, brother. All right. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks, Mike. Uh, really powerful speech. And uh, it really, I really did resonate with me. I, uh, I just wanted to ask you, I'm really big into sort of uh, scheduling my life and, you know, having a sort of a structured form of life. And I was just wondering if you can provide some experience, strength and hope in terms of, you know, balancing the program, balancing life, balancing God time. How do you fit all that into your schedule? That's a really good. That's a really good question. It's a fabulous question. I think that's a lifetime question we deal with. Uh, I just know, uh, and it, it's different for everybody. It's a little bit different. You know, we all have different. You know, some people are morning people. Some people are not. I'm not really a morning person. Uh, but I know. Uh, Step 11 is vital for me. If I don't do a consistent step 11, uh, trouble will arrive. And I have to be consistent with that. Not perfect, you know, but I got to be, that has to be a priority. You know, when in the day that takes place, I think it can vary from people to people, but, um, but step three and step 11 are not really optional for me to stay sane and sober. Um, by the way, I don't say it just negatively. I like, uh, uh, I like that time. So you don't have to drag me into it. Um, the more I do it, the more I like it. And I, I got that from my sponsor. He over and over again would ask me how my step 11 is going. Cause I call him struggling. I'm not a happy camper. And uh, he would ask me, how's my step 11 going? <laughs> and usually you don't have to be a genius to realize probably not that good, <laughs> you know? And, uh, um, but I think the way you bring them is, is have a spiritual discipline. Like, for example, just practicing in the morning, I re, I start my day with prayer. The first thing I wake up, I start with prayer. It's not short, you know, short because I'm helping to get the kids to school and stuff, but short. But I got to start and check in. I right? When I first wake up, 
I do the daily essay reading when I first get up, you know, just immediately get some literature going. And I do that every single morning. I have to do that. Um, then later on in the morning, because it's been on schedule with that's why I do a, a much more lengthy step 11, prayer and meditation, program literature, try to be 12 steps. Sometimes I'll text guys in the group, 12 step, you know, share something I read in the literature. Uh, and then prayer and meditation. It's not easy. Meditation is hard for me to slow my mind down. It's, it's a work in progress. But I do really enjoy it. And it's vital for me. Uh, and I get immediate feedback if I let, let slide on those things. And maybe step 10 too, pausing during the day. Yeah, I'm still, that's, uh, that's a work in progress. But when something happens, just pause. God, what do you suggest? My response is breathing deeply. Sometimes I call him and I'd be all agitated. And he, my, my sponsor speaks at a very slow tone of voice. That's not fake what you saw him in this next previous hour. When I first started working with him, it's hard for me because he his heart rate was if I slow my heart rate down talking to him, his energy level is just in a different place. But sometimes he would just have a two of us breathe together for a little bit. Just some deep breaths. Just deep, deep breaths, settle down, slow down a little bit. And get curious, get connected, ask God what he suggests. Um, so I hope that helps a little bit. I know it can look different for everybody, but to have those core components. Um, and obviously, at some point, the 12 step has to be in there too, carrying the message. You know, we do 12 step and everything, right? That's family, that's dad, you know, that's mom, that's we, that's 12 steps, everything. Family at work, I get to do 12 step with my students, I get to be 12 step. This program helps me there too. I have a student coming to me with some big issue. One of my first steps is not to start judging them. I don't know what's going on with them. First step is to be curious before I start, you know, imagining why I didn't turn the assignment something, but ask them what's going on. That's not my first response. That's a recovery response, asking what's happening, what's going on before I start making a judgment. Um, so when I jog, when I jog, uh, it's God time. I got to make sure I keep an eye on my dog and jog with so we don't fall down together, but it's God time too. And most of that is praying for other people because I'm an addict. I have to focus on myself. So almost the whole prayer is for other people. I mention myself briefly so God doesn't forget who I am, but most of it's for other people. Thanks, Mike. All right. We got Thanks, time Mike. for Morris and then Modesto Mike has a question after you, Morris. Go ahead, Morris. All right. Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. Hey, thanks. Thanks for that share. I identified with a lot of what you said. And uh, what stuck out most for me was real helpful was, um, you know, I too am a very, <clears throat> I have real strong opinions. And I think I know what's best for me, for you, for everybody. And what I've learned, you know, it's, it's good that we have literature because, you know, and it's good that I read it because, <laughs> you know, in the big book, it says, you know, when it's talking about people, it says, you know, I assume that I know what's best for others. You know, I assume that I know what they need. You know, that's not word for word, so I, I apologize. But basically, the gist of it is like, you know, I'm not God. I don't know anybody enough to know what's best for them. Like I, I, I mean well, and I want what's best for them. But the difficult part for me is like, but you, you still, you may ne not necessarily know what's best for them. So be careful with your opinions, Mars, because they may hurt more than help. You know. So it is good to be. Uh, for me, cautious in that area, because I don't even know what's good for me. So, you know, if I'm really honest with myself, dude, you ended up in a 12 step program. So if you really knew what was, you know, the answers to everything, why did you end up in a place that the first step says you don't know how to manage life? You know, so it, that's humbling. You know, that's real humbling. Like, that's not something I want to. I, I always want everybody to think, hey, I know what I'm doing and I have it all together. And that's not. That was not the case, you know. And and another thing that, that stuck out was helpful. You said something about, you know, like the prayer and the meditation in God. 
like the one thing is when I when I think I'm right and I think I know all the answers and I'm not hearing the other side, if I'm not listening, you know, it's like I'm the, not only am I not leaving room for that person to have their experience, but I'm closing out God. So the important thing for me, I always tell myself is like I always I now it's like daily. I pray every day and I meditate and I work on that constantly. You know, like a constant awareness that that God in every situation I can talk to my higher power, bring him in there because I spent all my life, I played that part. So now I got to constantly remind myself, like, no, no, you don't run the show. You know, God, you've made that decision to allow God to guide you. So the more I remind myself of that and, and trust myself that when tough situations and uncomfortable situations come, if, if I have that state of mind, things go much smoother for me and for others. When I forget that, things get very complicated. And, and like I said, I could, I just add too much spice to the soup and it doesn't, it doesn't make it tasty. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks, Morris. Thanks, Morris. All right. Um, Modesto Mike, you're up. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for your service today. This has been awesome. Thanks, everybody, for sharing and uh, just being here. Um, I'm blessed with Zoom. I still have vanity, so I'm in my Zoom pajamas. And uh, so, um, yeah, vanity. And uh, Mike, uh, thanks for 18 years of uh, love and support. It's amazing. It just was, uh, you know, the two of us sober for a long time. And you know, today there's sponsorship family and um, a lot of people in recovery, a lot of service going on here in Modesto. Um, you know, um, there was a comment that I wanted to make about um, the fact that Mother's Day is coming up. And, um, you know, being a, a childless man, um, and I think most of that is the result of uh, my sexaholism disease. Um, you know, when, uh, my wife and I, uh, passed the, uh, fertility age to have children, uh, it was a real sad experience for me. And holidays tend to be very difficult. So just a public service announcement, whether you have children or not, whether the disease has robbed you of the, uh, opportunities that life and love and relationships have to offer. Um, we still get to celebrate, celebrate other people's joy. Um, you talked about uh, carrying our sponsors with us. And the most important thing that I carry with me is, Mike, how's that working for you? And uh, I carry that with me everywhere. Um, and, you know, whenever I'm disturbed, whenever I'm anxious, irritable, restless, feeling inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid, um, and I'm starting to get less drunk, I uh, those words are in my head and I'm just really grateful for that. So I pass that on to other people <laughs> to, uh, hopefully have that in your heads. Uh, when insanity creeps in through the obsession of the mind, please think about, uh, Mike or whoever you are, fill in the blank. How's that working for you? And the answer is always, uh, it's not, I should turn to my higher power. Not the easiest sponsee to work with. Uh, I still like to think I'm in charge. And um, so thanks for walking through relapses with me and um, and uh, difficulty, life's crises. I know one time um, I was losing it and my wife actually grabbed my phone and called you um, and stuck the phone in my face. And I was like, what did you do? What did you do that for? I'm not going to. Hi, Mike. How are you? you know, uh, and he reminds me, we're always on our best behavior, you know, in meetings and with our sponsors. And um, so, uh, you know, thanks for my, you know, accepting me and uh, all of my colorful entity. The question that I have, um, you know, I talk about it a lot and it's about the history lessons. And uh, I know you get them no matter how long I'm sober. There's uh, still grief and anger uh, with my wife and other people that I've had to make amends to over the years. And, you know, my history comes up, whether it's 
my own remorse and regret and sadness. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, if you can say a little something about dealing with history lessons and maybe it's a treasure hunt, maybe it's a gift, um, but maybe you could say something about history lessons and, you know, facing those. Thanks, Mike. And thanks for your service. Thanks, Mike. Love you, Mike. And by the way, for everybody, it's been mutual. I've called Mike too. <laughs> I've done some 911 call calling Mike. So there's been two Mikes in the last over many years calling each other. So uh, <laughs> we're partners on the same road, arm in arm. So I appreciate you, Mike. That's a good question, Mike. I want to call my sponsor and pick his brain on that one for a little bit. <laughs> um, But I know I have to be careful with my initial reaction, you know, when things come up. Uh, recently, uh, we were on a road trip on a Saturday and something came up from a wife in old memory and some, brought some pain for her. And, uh, and I had gone through that for a long time. But my first reaction was getting a little bit of fear and resentment over that. And uh, it didn't turn out so well. Uh, later on, I had to go back and we look at that and make some phone calls. And uh, um Maybe this is just a thought, Mike, but uh, I think maybe again, it's about the control part, letting go of the control of uh, I have to control this thing, whether it's a memory or someone close to me and their response to something, but to respect them, to let them have their emotional experience. Um, it, it shouldn't be abusive experience, of course, but to let them and respect their response to where that is and for myself too, and, uh, and to be okay with that. Uh, and that's hard, hard, you know, to be emotionally available and present, but to accept when people are at too, whether it's a, a memory that I inflicted pain or any kind of memory. And, uh, and I, maybe to stay patient with it, let God work on that. You know, as an addict, I want to have immediate solutions to everything. So if I'm bothered, someone else is bothered, I want to like, let's fix that in the next 10 minutes. And, uh, uh, but some of those things probably do take time and like, and be curious, let God take that time schedule and also be willing if I need to do something. So God, what do you want me to do? So do I need to you know, take action on that or do I need to simply accept it for what it is? And maybe it's both, both accept it. And what, what would you like me to do with that? So if it's, for example, my wife being uh, uh, a painful memory, come back for her. God, what do you want me to do with that? I need to accept where she's at. Do I need to make an amends to her? Do I just need to listen to her? Do I need to be present? Um, what do you suggest I do? Um, yeah. Thanks, Mike. And thanks, Mike. Um, we have a few minutes if you can keep the, I know this is kind of a hard question and answer to keep short here, um, but there's an anonymous question that was sent to me. It says, uh, I am single and likely to remain so. Uh, you talked about healthy sexuality and essay. How do I integrate my sexuality and sobriety internally? Thanks. Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> and I, I have to say, I'm a married man. So I, but I, here's what I'd say about that. And this is just my two bits. So you can, but uh, what I mean by healthy sexuality as an addict, of course, the way I would want to define that is I get to do what I want when I want. That's, but that's not a recovery response. What I mean by healthy is, like, for example, is, is allowing God to work on that issue and obviously maybe, you know, 12 steps, all, everything. So, um, and not have to have it controlled in a way that I'm in running the show because I want to run the show, either by acting in or acting out. Um, what I mean by that is uh, to be grateful for what God made. God made sexuality does not mean I need to be like in some kind of sexual act. But uh, like my first sponsor said something so counterintuitive. I remember in the meeting, of course, we get the, he got this from the white book. But um, you know, he, he taught me, my first sponsor is if I see someone, in this case, having to be a woman, uh, to talk to God about that and be honest. And he would say, you don't need to go into graphic detail because I'd be specific. And I won't, in the meeting, I won't be triggering someone. But he would just say, uh, I would mention the attributes that were appealing to me. You know, I don't go into a lot of detail, and he didn't tell me going to deal either. I could obviously, in my mind, I'd be in trouble with that. But he's like, but just be honest. Just be honest. And say, thank God, thank you, God, for making her beautiful. Thank you for making her beautiful. What a gift. What a gift for her. What a gift. I'm glad you made her beautiful. 
but she's she's not mine. I don't control her and help, you know, and you guys kind of know, right? Help me for whatever I'm looking for her to find you. And then to finish that with praying for that person. So that as an aspect, I'd say a partly healthy sexuality because you are noticing someone that's beautiful to you for whatever reason that is. Some of that's God given, God made us, you know, in genders and stuff. That's that's a God thing. But also I don't have to I don't have to have that to make me whole today. So I, I'm not, I don't have to then I see something and I think that's amazing. It's like a beautiful flower. Like for example, if I see a beautiful flower, the flower is beautiful, but I don't have to be like, I have to carry that flower in my fist for the rest of the day. No, it's beautiful. Thank you, God. I love that flower. Or a sunset. That sunset, fabulous. I saw it. Cherry on the day. Great. But I don't have to go nuts. <laughs> uh, and again, I have God's help with that. I know intellectually I can't do that on my own, so that's a God thing. I have to have God's help with that. Say, okay, thank you for what I am. Um, thank you for what, what, how you made us. Thank you for these healthy feelings. But I have to have you help to let go of my desire to, to capture that and to have that. And this, hap- this has to happen. Thanks, Mike. And one last, one last thing, because the addict, I, I add this, is my addict is terrified because I used to count the days, right? When that act out last, I'm like a clock, right? For me to be okay, this has to happen. I don't care what's going on, but the clock is ticking. And then in recovery, find out that's not true. And so I remember that, that me expressing some, some kind of sexual act is not my deepest need. Now, it can be a wonderful thing in the right context but it's not my deepest need and other beautiful things. God will take the things I really need today. If my eyes are simply open, those things will rise and satisfy me. I also mentioned that I have a daughter giving the burrito that day. That's not what the addict wakes up thinking like, he'll be a cool thing. I can be a cool dad and my daughter and love her. That's not, I mean, as an addict, it's self-centered. What can I get What to make me okay? And God's like, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll meet the deeper needs that leave you very satisfied and connected and plugged in, even though life is still an adventure and it is. So I'll wrap it up with that. But we I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.